Hey, how's it going, folks? It's Abdullah. And Bean. And welcome back for another episode of Great Moments in Weed History. As you might know, we've got a live show coming up in Portland at the Helium Comedy Club September 10th. That's a Saturday, and we're going to be performing a brand new episode for you at 4.20 p.m. Grab your tickets right now at the Helium PDX website, and come hang out with us. Come get high on history in person in one of the weediest cities in America. Isn't that right, Bean? Yeah, we will see you there this Saturday, September 10th. And to give you a little taste of what you're in for, Portland, Oregon, we are going to share one of our favorite live shows from the archive today. This was recorded with our good friends at the Savage Henry Comedy Festival. We know you're going to love this story, and hopefully it will inspire you, if you live nearby Portland, to come check us out and get high on history, or to let your friends in the greater pot land area know about it (laughs) absolutely we really love doing live shows you get a little bit more of the live element obviously but also you get to hear us completely uncut when you hear this podcast we a lot of times cut out some of the more tangential diatribes but when we're doing it live we're just going off the dome and having a good time so we really hope you'll come through and join us yeah and we've got an amazing live episode recording for you today that's a really really epic story about cannabis just appearing in massive volumes kind of out of thin air and i I love those stories when it just like one day there's no weed the next day there's weed everywhere it just feels like there's kind of a glitch in the matrix or something so we just want to take a second to thank everybody who supports us on patreon truly appreciate you guys facilitating us making the show the way that we want to make it keeping it independent if you don't support us on patreon yet please go check us out at greatmomentsinweedhistory.com see all the fun bonuses you can get by supporting us on patreon also if you don't have the flow right now to hook us up to help us out on patreon we would truly appreciate it if you can help us spread the word about the show. We are throttled on every social media platform, so every little bit of word of mouth helps, and we would truly appreciate that. Yep, that's all at greatmomentsinweedhistory.com. You can get a signed copy of my book, How to Smoke Pot Properly. You could throw five on it. You can watch the video version of this podcast, and if you are doing so right now, you will see that this is not just one of our favorite episodes from the archives. It's also one we chose to commemorate in our upcoming line of great moments in weed history pre-rolls, Summer of the Cans. Yeah, that's right. If you are in Washington State, in the United States of America, you will be able to go to your local dispensary and purchase a pack of great moments in weed history cannabis pre-rolls that are themed according to a bunch of different episodes. And we are super excited about this collaboration with Saints Joints, our friends out there in the Northwest, purveyors of excellent cannabis who have partnered with us in this rollout of pre-rolls. Rollout? I I caught that one. one. (laughs) I think everyone in Potland also caught that pun. Yeah, yeah, totally caught that. (laughs) and this episode i will just say you know if you've ever been like scraping a bowl and just look to the heavens 
and said, why? And dreamed that weed would just come by land or by sea. Mm -hmm. This is Mm -hmm. the exciting episode for you. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's a real fucking mind blower. Please enjoy this episode. I'm super psyched for this. I've got a fat fucking dab sitting right here next to me, waiting for me for the start of this episode. Bean, what do you got going on over there? I'm actually going to open up this Summer of the Can special commemorative box of Great Moment and Weed History pre-rolls. But not everybody has these because they haven't even reached the stores yet. And I'm being told within that subset, not everybody is even ready to get high with us right now. Easy fix. Easy peasy. All you have to do, dear listener, is hit pause and take that time to finish scraping that bowl, which I hope is not what you're doing, but it's better than nothing. Or you can get yourself to Washington State and get some great moments in weed history pre-rolls. Or you can simply roll up a joint, split a blunt, pack a bong, pack a bowl, eat some edibles, rub topicals all over yourself, have a tincture under the tongue, vaporize yourself to your heart's content, or do all of the above. Whatever you need to do to get ready, the one thing that we promise you on this show, weed after weed, on every weedness day, is that when you're ready, we'll be ready. For another great moment in weed history. How's it going, folks? Welcome to Great Moments in Weed History. What you're about to hear is a special live episode that we recorded at the Savage Henry Comedy Festival on October 12th, 2019. Shout out Savage Henry Magazine. We love our friends from Humble. There is an excellent cannabis community out there. And if you ever get a chance to check out America's Weed Basket, you should absolutely go do that. All right, enjoy the episode. And keep it going for Savage. Henry, they brought you this amazing shrine to live comedy right here in Humboldt County. They've been putting out an incredible humor magazine. Yeah, let's hear it for Savage Henry. I think we're ready to roll. So um, if you guys have heard the show, you know how this is going to go. So I'll just get us started. Hey, how's it going, folks? It's Abdullah. And Bean. And welcome back for yet another episode of Great Moments in Weed History. On this podcast, my partner Bean and I, who are both cannabis journalists and media makers going way, way back, will go over one of the more fascinating points in the long, long, long history of human beings and cannabis. Isn't that right, Bean? That is exactly what we do. Yeah. And uh, you should know that I have no prior knowledge of the story Bean is about to tell us. He's researched and written it, and he's going to tell it to me and to you, and we're going to hang out and have a good time. Does that sound good to you guys? All right. Okay. Humboldt County! Humboldt! Uh, You guys are awesome. Weed 
tell all the crowds that they have great weed and we're so happy to be there. <laughs> but you guys don't need us to tell you you got great weed and we're honored to be here. Yeah, give it up for yourselves, guys. We're stoked to be in Humble. All right, so I've got a couple of pre-rolls here uh, from our friends at True Humble. Uh, they hooked us up. Oh, yeah. Oh, Proper Wellness Center. <laughs> Guys, shout out to Proper Wellness Center. and Proper the, to uh, Humble County Collective. Yeah, give it up. Give it up. Oh, give it up for local farmers. Oh, jeez. Yeah, and local dispensaries. And just in telling cannabis history, before we get into our story for today, which we've never done before, I prepared it just for you, just for this occasion. In telling these history stories... It, gives us an appreciation of the craft, small farmers, the mom and pops, the underground community that kept this shit going throughout a long, bumpy fucking road, and it's still bumpy, but I'm hearing such good things. I'm seeing a lot more smiles this year on people's faces here in Humboldt, and I know that we're going to win, and all of our history stories are about us winning. That's yeah. what makes it great moments. And it's because of communities like this. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think Humboldt really represents uh, how we feel uh, cannabis economies should exist in a lot of ways. You know, legalization is not exactly how a lot of us pictured it when we, you know, listened to Bob Marley back when we were teenagers. We pictured a wonderland. And you know what? Corporate America still exists and it sucks up everything in its path. But, you know, there's uh, places of resistance like Humboldt County uh, that are rooted in old traditions of cannabis, you know? That's what makes you guys special. Seriously, Humboldt County, you guys are the fucking truth. <laughs> All right, now, who's ready for a story from far away and somewhat long ago? Ah, I definitely am. So I guess uh, we got our weed, we got our friends here, we got our story. I think we're ready for another Great moment in weed history. Smoke media. <laughs> All right, Bean, I'm feeling good, man. I'm really excited to hear this story because uh, I know it's going to be a special one. Uh, and I'm ready, man. Let's do it. All right. Well, this is the point in the show where I always let our listeners on the podcast know, you know, it's a good time to hit pause if you don't have that joint rolled up. If you don't have that bong packed, if you don't have that blunt split, here we had the advantage of literally going outside and smoking out the entire audience, so <laughs> I know we're all caught up. And today's story, um, you ever heard that expression, when life gives you lemons? You make lemonade. Well. Strain. For us, yeah, well, when life <laughs> gives us lemons, when the cops give us lemons, when the man gives us lemons, we make Lemon haze. Yeah. <laughs> so today's story is about how any effort to suppress this plant only spreads this plant. So let's start in 1964, a military dictatorship came to power in Brazil. 
via CIA-backed coup. The military held power for 20 years, but then there were massive street demonstrations, free elections, a new constitution, and it becomes like the 60s in Brazil, but in the late 80s. Whoa, okay. So this is something... I was not really aware of. I know, you know, obviously, like, the hippies have inspired movements of young people uh, who, you know, just can't take it anymore all over the world. But I did not know about this particular one. I've seen a few movies. I've seen, like, City of God. Uh, sounds like this is a different side of Brazil. Yeah, this is, so this is Brazil. You know, basically, they kind of had a dictatorship, somebody... And some people shitty were in charge, and so they took to the streets. Yeah, kind of sounds familiar. And got rid of them, and then we get this like hippie era. And what does this all have to do with weed? Hmm. I mean, well, we're looking at like a region of the world where definitely some really like nice, natural, sticky weed grows. Uh, but I'm not quite sure where the story. Not going at yet. this time. You know, they've had this 20 years of heavy repression, really harsh weed laws. So everyone in Brazil, a whole generation of people really went without. But now, here's where our story gets very weedful and very fun. Mm -hmm. In August 1987, the DEA contacts the Brazilian authorities and they say, okay, there's this ship, it's heading towards Rio, it's called the Solana Star, and it's got 22 tons of weed on it, South Asian sativa weed on this boat. And the DEA wants the Brazilians to go get this boat. Holy shit. Okay, uh, 22 tons, you said? 22 tons. Do you have any guess how much that is in pounds? Anybody have a... uh... Are we talking metric tons or uh, (laughs) British tons? uh, Cannabis tons. Cannabis tons. It's an older system of measure. (laughs) Wait, did somebody have it? 44,000 pounds pounds of weed. That's a lot even by Humboldt standards, right? (laughs) That's, uh, I think that's Now people are like, no, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) That's the daily uh, allowance, I think, from the the county. We've got this ship, 44,000 pounds of weed on it. The DEA says to Brazil, go get them. Brazil says, we don't really care. (laughs) Like, we just... (laughs) overthrew a dictatorish military regime. We're kind of focused on that. And the DEA is like, do it or else. They're like, look, I, I forgot my 22 tons of weed on your boat. <laughs> it would be nice if you could come drop it back by. So this is, you know, all part and parcel of the U.S. government in Latin America using the drug war to impose its will. Um, Spoiler alert, we were not on the side of the freedom-fighting democracy activists that got rid of the military regime. We were on the side of the military regime, and uh, so eventually they convinced the Brazilians, okay, send a boat. Uh, So they send Brazil's most advanced nasal ship. Ah, Not a nasal ship. (laughs) That would be a cool name for like a a, a, a cocaine-fueled band. The nasal <laughs> ship. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> direct from Austin, Texas. Jefferson nasal ship. <laughs> Jefferson nasal, and then Jefferson nasal starship was the like bad yeah. version with like two with original the one members. Song, yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I'm, if I'm reading this correctly, Brazil's most advanced naval 
ship makes mm-hmm. more sense. Uh, was dispatched, <laughs> and I wrote this, so well, I, I'm lost. <laughs> <laughs> so they send their most advanced nasal drip uh, at top speed. <laughs> To try to intercept this boat with 44,000 pounds of weed on it. The chief of the federal police of Brazil says that they were going so fast after the DEA yelled at them, like their drunk stepdad, that they're they're literally like puking over the sides. (laughs) I gotcha. So they're chasing down this heavily weighed down with weed ship. They're puking over the sides. (laughs) Ironically, weed could help them tremendously right now. I know, right? Oh my God. (laughs) So where is this going? So meanwhile, the DEA keeps contacting them and no, go to these coordinates because they've got a snitch who's just feeding them false information on purpose. Oh, my God. How, how do we feel about snitches here in Humboldt? For, for the home audience, everyone <laughs> here looked mad for a second. <laughs> but not as mad as I thought. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Too soon, Humboldt? <laughs> Right, wait, so somebody told them that there was 22 pounds of weed. What was there 22 pounds of on that boat? No, 44... 40, 44? <laughs> All right, 22 weed tons. So there's 22 tons of weed, but the snitch who's giving the DEA information keeps, like, changing this. He's trying to give him just enough information to get out of trouble, but not enough information to get his friends in trouble. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, look... And when you're a teenager and you get busted, you know, everybody's played this game. You make up a fake kid. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Anybody ever tell the cops a fake kid that exists? You're like, ah, oh, I got it from Jason uh, Johnson. You know? <laughs> and some kid named Jason Johnson, like, two towns over is like, what the fuck, man? He just got out. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, and uh, he's coming later, yeah, so look right. out. Is he here? Um, <laughs> so... In the police chief's own words, you know, we had no cell phones, no GPS, no satellite. So if it's hard nowadays to find a ship lost in the ocean on a rescue mission, imagine trying to find one back then that didn't want to be found. At that time, all they had to do was not use their radio. So our mission failed. That's it? <laughs> so there could have been like Waterworld-esque floating cities like all over the world back at that time and no one would have even known about it? Well, I mean, you you haven't been listening to my conspiracy yeah. podcast, apparently, because yeah. that is exactly what happened. Imagine you'd be on a sailboat and suddenly <laughs> someone would be like, welcome to the island. You know, it's like made of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I should mention uh, uh, a lot of this story comes from an amazing documentary called Summer of the Cans. And then it was this story was suggested to me by our good friend Danny Danko. Oh yeah, I used to work with him at High Times uh, for a long time. Legendary weed journalist. And this is just so you know, even this documentary is only available commercially in Portuguese. Uh, The the director Tosha Alves sent me a dubbed English version. So this story has anyone know where this story is going? Yeah, there's a lot going on here, man. This is fucking insanity. The, the weed got involved quickly, so, you know, I know it's on brand. To very it's very apparent. here. So they, they make another attempt to intercept this boat. They don't get this boat, but what happens is the second time, they, the people on the Solana Star, the smuggling boat, they see the military boat tracking them. Oh, shit. They get freaked out. What do you think they decide to do? Do they? I'm just gonna guess that they start throwing 
tons and tons of fucking weed <laughs> off the side of the boat. That is exactly what they do. <laughs> All right, at least I'm thinking like a smuggler. You know? <laughs> well, there's, I would imagine like there's two ways to play it. I'm going down with the ship. Or I'm throwing everything overboard. There's the smoke it all option, which I know crossed everybody's <laughs> mind. Right? Like, is that humanly possible? Let's I smoke see. a lot. Let's see. We've got eight people on board. We've got 22 tons. Carry the yeah. three. Like, Terry, you take the three tons upstairs first. <laughs> Terry's been pinching the whole ride, so there's really like 2.9 <laughs> yeah. tons even. That greedy bastard. All right, so the dolphins are about to get high as fuck. (laughs) That's exactly what happened? Oh, my God. Holy shit. (laughs) That's, dude. That's not racist, right? (laughs) I can... I felt a little bad when I... Yeah, right? Because that, honestly, I don't speak dolphin. That didn't mean shit what I said. I'm not culturally dolphin. Yeah. Now, the dolphins, we'll edit it out. The dolphins are not going to care until somebody <laughs> feeds a dolphin mushrooms and it becomes, like, self-aware. Has anyone ever thought about, like, that this is going to happen at some point? And then they'll, it'll be like that Simpsons episode and they'll fucking come take over. <laughs> <laughs> Snarky talk man. You know? So long and thanks for all the fish. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So the, the, the captain of the smuggling boat, he says, you know, we get there. The people who we were supposed to make the drop with don't show up. We see this sketchy military boat. Somebody must have tipped them off. So we decided we're going to take the boat out 15 miles and dump everything overboard. Holy shit. Everything in this instance, referring to the aforementioned 22 tons of cannabis, 44,000 pounds, which had been packed tight into two-pound cans in order to conceal the contraband compress it into as little space as possible and prevent mold from setting in while you're at sea. All right, the best way to treat weed for sale, <laughs> compress it into a cube, you know what I'm saying? Has anybody idea. ever canned their weed here? In... <laughs> yeah? <laughs> Dried it, right? Why not? <laughs> All right, so now we've got 22 tons of weed cans, two pounds each, dumped overboard, where do you think we're heading in a great moment sense? Where, what's what? Holy crap. Okay, so look, last time we were here, uh, we talked about some weed that, you know, was being smuggled and ended up in the ocean. And it was retrieved and led to all kinds of adventures for a bunch of rock climbers up in Yosemite, mm-hmm. right? So I'm hoping that somebody's going to recover this weed <laughs> and have an adventure, right? But I'm also kind of thinking what happens next is the cops show up and they find a ship with a bunch of weed bales floating around it, <laughs> and a bunch of people go to jail. No, that that's bummer moments in weed history. Yeah. Oh, yeah, how could that even happen on this show? That's not a great moment in weed history. This is what happens. This is the story of how dolphins learn to use can openers. I told you it was coming! It went unheated for so long, and now we're fucked. Yeah, so... And now we're, we're rounding second and heading into our great moment era of this story. Smoke weedia. For the crew of the Solana Star, friends of the podcast, uh, for whoever backed 
the Solana star, friend of the podcast. This is not a great moment for them. It, 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 you know, <laughs> they didn't get caught. That's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, but here's where it gets great for everyone else. All right. On September 19th, 1987, the Tribuna de Santos newspaper in Brazil reported that a couple of dozen cans full of cannabis had been found in the coastal city of Guajara by volunteers at a beach cleanup. Oh, that's just an interesting oh, yeah, little, just, little occurrence. Just a little coincidence. The cans had no label, but each was packed incredibly tight with tie stick and then vacuum sealed. Oh, my God. Okay, so now, uh, you know, we're figuring out where this weed actually came from. So was this, like, imitation tie stick, or did this actually come from Southeast Asia? This is the real deal tie stick. Tie stick is this legendary cannabis, right? I've heard the, the myth or the story, perhaps, that it was dipped in opium, but I've also heard people say that the reason American audiences, consumers, thought it was dipped in opium was because it was so fucking strong, and that was the only way they could possibly explain how lit they were. That is absolutely right. And and it's called Tie Stick. Well, so uh, a, a, a journalist and author called Peter McGuire, uh, he wrote a book called Tie Stick, pretty on brand for this uh, portion. Yeah. Uh, and he said, you know, this cannabis that was smuggled out of Thailand in the 70s and 80s was like the most prized on earth. This is before California really came online growing the amazing cannabis. People were still getting it imported. And and this is because the growers in Thailand had been developing their strains for generations. And in his words, they took as much care with their cannabis plants as French vintners take with their grapevines. They were about quality. Right. And this was like early days for being about quality when you're cultivating mm -hmm. cannabis anywhere. In a lot of places, they're just pressing a bunch of weed together or like cultivating, you know, hash and mass. And yeah, I actually, I grew up in Thailand, right? I left before I smoked weed, but I returned when I was 19 and I smoked a whole lot of weed. <laughs> and at that point... Thailand is out yeah. of weed still. Yeah. <laughs> They had to legalize it just, just to get getting... their supplies back up. But yeah, like that weed is really, really tasty. It's grown, I mean, in these like massive farms, right? Uh, and it really just goes with the weather. It feels primal. It feels like uh, an ancient strain. You know what I'm saying? It's really special stuff. Yeah, they're talking about 100% land-raised sativas, but that have been really developed over time, made really potent. Um, have you heard of a place called Isan? I-S-A-N? Isan. So that's northern Thailand. Yeah, so in this book, he says this is a plateau as large as many American states, and it floods during monsoon season, but it's arid and dry and dusty during the rest of the year. Rice doesn't really grow very well there, but weed thrives because of the river, and it has this rich soil. And so basically, this is like the Humboldt County of Thailand. Yeah, oh my God. And, and it's a beautiful place. I remember going there as a kid when it was like less developed, uh, and... It's mountainous, not quite as mountainous as Humboldt, but where the fuck is really, you know? Uh, but it is really, like, you know, you can tell it's that climate, right? It gets cold, it gets humid, and it's just ideal for, for growing weed, as you guys all know. And so how did you, without, without you know, fucking anybody's little hustle up, yeah. how, how did you hook up in Thailand when so you were 19? So it was, so a uh, friend of ours from, you know, when I had gone to school there that we just, you know, kept in touch with, uh, was a huge pothead and he just had the link, you know? And we got, uh, about a quap 
for the equivalent of like $25, right? And it's like pretty stemmy, right? Uh, but not really that seedy, you know, a little bit here and there. This is like, you know, third world weed. But yeah, it was very cheap and it came in like a huge fucking bushel. Uh, yeah, and it was really, really good, man. It's, it's like when you go to other countries, you realize that how truly diverse, even beyond all the strains that we see every day, right, uh, this plant can really get in different climates all over the world. And, and so was it, was it Thai stick? And I'll, I'll just give a description from the book. So after Thai farmers harvested and dried the cannabis flowers, uh, they and their families would neatly and uniformly tie them to small bamboo sticks and then secure them with threads of hemp fiber. Right. So th- this was not prepared in that way. You know what I mean? I think this is very, something that's very much of an era. And it was, you know, probably done just to transport it or package it for some reason, right? And it became a brand. And it became something that was, like, mimicked and recreated. It became the name of a strain, essentially, right? Uh, but no, the stuff I got there was just straight up Thai weed, like a mm-hmm. branch of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I thought I heard somebody sort of gasp with delight when I said Thai stick for the first time. Is there anybody who smoked the real deal Thai stick? Yeah, Back in the day? That's where yeah. It came from. Well, the, here's here's how the the resident weed expert at High Times described it back in the '70s, and you raise your hand if you agree. He he said it was dense, seedless, and stronger than a bull elephant. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we have agreement. It's a good leafly review, right? <laughs> Don't get me all jargoned up with your science, yeah. man. <laughs> Leafly on Leafly, literally, there's nothing below four and a half stars because it's all weed. You know what I mean? Like, everybody likes it. Like They're like, yeah, it's fucking great. It's weed. You know? <laughs> if you're comparing it to not weed, yeah, it's really know, right? hard. Not to... weed, like half to one stars. Yeah. You know, weed, five fucking stars. <laughs> Okay, so Brazil's in, in, uh, weed-smoking population also uh, loves this Thai stick, especially because after this first trickle of cans that makes the headlines, oh, yeah. a whole wave of cans comes in at once, like 150 pounds of weed washes yeah. up on, on <laughs> at once. But then those waves just keep coming it's caught in the current it's like schools of fish <laughs> and oh over God. like the course of a few weeks and a, and a summer basically 10,000 pounds at least of canned cannabis washes up on all these beaches just moving along with the tide and that's not even a quarter of what's coming. <laughs> and so do we know how much weed was in a single can? Like just so we can kind of visualize this. About two pounds, but it's pressed tight. Okay. So these are big cans. Right. And there's two pounds uh, literally pushed so hard in there that when you open the can, it explodes. Like it explodes Popeye out. Weed explodes into your face. Wow. Okay. <laughs> we're, 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 we all are getting a nice visual. How much fucking weed? It's jammed into this thing. It's like it literally like starts oozing out like toothpaste on a hot day, you know? In this, in this really, I gotta say, excellent, cool documentary, Summer of the Cans. They, he's got all these people talking about their memories of it. And like, if you found a can, especially because this was just an event, but because of the explosion, you'd get it all everybody together for when you opened it. Oh! <laughs> It's like in one of those like foam mattresses. <laughs> and also, so 
This is also... Come check this out. <laughs> I'm about to open it. It's crazy. I'm going to put it on YouTube. <laughs> you know, you didn't invite me over for your home address. Yeah, opening. <laughs> it was a psalm affair. Just my parents, you know, my wife, her parents. <laughs> Nobody else? No one else. Okay. Very, very close. That's legit. That's legit. <laughs> That's the inner, inner circle. I get it. Uh, <laughs> So the other thing to keep in mind is, like, at this time, weed is, you know, the laws in Brazil against weed are very harsh, and they're strictly enforced. So cannabis is expensive, swaggy, and hard to find until all of a sudden it's free, dank, and fucking everywhere. Oh, my God, dude. (laughs) And it's like, this is the craziest thing, is that it's very democratic in the sense of, like, just about anyone can go on the beach, you know what I mean? And just like, you know, you could be like a 16-year-old kid or like a fucking drug kingpin, and you have an equal chance of just grabbing a two-pound can of weed. You, you do not need a regulatory compliance expert to go down to the beach yeah. and grab a can. <laughs> oh, my God. It's, it's a low overhead uh, But And also, imagine, we heard this from the beginning from the perspective of the ship. If you just were on the beach one day and you're like, What's this? And you open it. Like, can you imagine the fucking joy? Holy shit. Amazing. And so at first, like you said, so the first cans were mainly found by small fishing boats, surfers, and other fortunate sea creatures. And a few people definitely got rich by, like, foraging as many cans as they could. Great. Yeah. Uh, but most people, yeah, good for them, friends yeah, of the podcast. you know, like, why the fuck not? Get your hustle. Yeah. Plenty of cans to go around. Too. Yeah, seriously. Uh, but most people, you know, maybe found one or two on the beach, and they got their friends together and had a big party. And a lot of people in Brazil try weed for the very first time because of this that's fucking great that's what weed should do that's what 22 tons of weed should do that was the distribution system i personally voted for i didn't read the whole thing i thought it was just gonna be cans yeah sort of coming in from god yeah just coming in on the tide but you know read the details um and and in the documentary one person is describing like a lot of the fisher men and women didn't like they didn't even necessarily know what weed was and then all of a sudden they're like getting super blazed and uh all the all the fishermen started to talk about sea monsters everyone (laughs) everyone had a story of catching an amazing weird fish is that true that's that's what it said in the doc or the oh oh my god that's fucking insane (laughs) so life was getting more whimsical as it does when you smoke weed all you motherfuckers truly believe in bigfoot right literally every single person in this room yeah is that related to all the weed i don't know maybe (laughs) that was the OG. I believe in bigfoot but i also smoke a lot of weed Okay, so everybody in Brazil agrees that this is hands down the best weed in living memory. Amazing. Uh, And spontaneous beach gatherings become these massive smoke sessions followed by all-night dance parties in the grand Brazilian tradition of all-night dance parties. Oh, my God. So if everybody's having the best fucking time, who's got to stick their nose all right. I mean, this is a recurrent thing in great moments in weed history because uh, a lot of times when everyone's having a really, really good time, the fucking police shows up. <laughs> what? 
Well, ah. but I told you guys I handpicked this story for fun and for joy. And if it was for fun and for joy, do you think the fucking cops are going to win or are we going to make lemon haze? We're going to make lemon haze. <laughs> Fuck the police. <laughs> FTP. So the police in Brazil start storming the beaches like it's Normandy whenever and wherever these cans come ashore. You know, word spreads probably faster through the weed community, but eventually it reaches the narcs. But also tons of people are just out there hauling cans in. Yeah. 44,000 pounds, you know? (laughs) And to be fair, uh, in the 80s in Brazil, there was like no other crimes really going on. So... (laughs) You know, and they had totally like dealt with all the crimes of the past with yeah. that military dictatorship. That all got cleaned up. Yeah. So, last thing, these cats. <laughs> um, so finally, you know, it's been moving up and up, sort of these more like isolated, smaller communities, and then people are going. But finally, the cans reach Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> oh, man. Like, the fucking vacation capital of the world, basically. When, it, when the cans reach Rio, it goes from, like, folklore happening in real time to national obsession. Uh, there's a novelty song about the cans that becomes a hit song all over Brazil while this is happening. People are selling T-shirts, and everybody is like, this is a total gift. Yeah. And, and then a new slang emerged. So I'm going to try it out with you. Tell me something cool that uh, happened to you in Humboldt this trip. Oh, man, I, I went, you know, in Humboldt, I went to a weed farm and somebody gave me a bunch of really good weed. Oh, that's like can. Oh, no shit. So can <laughs> itself became like a word for like good, positive, cool. Yeah. Holy shit. That's pretty can. That is like, that's totally can. Yeah. Pretty, pretty um, can. So all of this just makes the Brazilian authorities like just become obsessed with this. You know, every day they're waking up, there's more cans every day. That's the other thing. Like they're, they're, they're shoveling against the tide oh of God. these cans. So they're getting, trying to get all they can, but they only get about 3,000 of these cans, like 25% of what washed up. Everything else makes its way into the hearts and lungs of the Brazilian people. (laughs) Wow. Okay, that's not bad. You know what I'm saying? In the scope of, like, how much the cops usually take in their cut from the weed, (laughs) uh, you know, 25% is not the worst thing. Uh, So a Brazilian author, uh, Eduardo Simentab, he described it this way. He said, the cops apprehended some of the cans, but most of it has invaded the life of even the quietest individual and it is awesome. There is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it is awesome. There is a lot. Uh, that's going to be the quote card for this episode. Probably. <laughs> yeah, look for that on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hashtag, it is awesome. There's a lot. Yeah. That's like, that's also Humboldt's motto. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're like, we're, we, we got Humboldt. Yeah. You don't have to come. Humboldt's motto is, that's not a lot of weed. <laughs> I'll show you a fucking lot of weed. <laughs> it's only 45 minutes away plus from when you leave the road then it's another hour and a half <laughs> yeah oh my god but you then liars. it's gonna be a lot of weed like it's right up the street it's like <laughs> right up, the street. up 
and street are very loose terms in that phrase, man. You can see the end of a street from where you're standing where I live. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so where I live, the whole place is just street. It's just a street. It's like one giant street. There's gutters on either side of it, <laughs> etc. So ultimately, besides a lot of... So, so no one gets in trouble for this. Cans all around. You and can't arrest the ocean. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. A couple of dolphins <laughs> were just held for a couple of days. But the most lasting impact of this phenomenon of the summer of the cans, as everyone in Brazil knew it then, and anybody who lived through this ah, in Brazil I knows. remember the yeah. summer of the cans, you know? <laughs> It starts this, like, national conversation in Brazil about weed that had been totally suppressed while the military was in charge. And all kinds of people try weed for the first time, and people start talking about the medical benefits, and it it starts uh, a move towards, like, freedom and changing the laws that really changes the whole culture of Brazil. Wow, that's incredible. So, you know, the answer is not necessarily legal weed. It's free weed. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's what really gets people's minds going. And that's, you know? the, that's the answer to everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we got that 5 o'clock free weed giveaway, yeah. it would be a better world. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so even the, remember the, uh, the chief of police who was on this puke boat? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He he his his take on this is you know uh, during the summer of the cans it became popular previously marijuana was seen as the worst then it became something common you could see people smoking it anywhere what we were trying to outlaw they were getting for free yeah man and that's that's exactly uh that's exactly how it should be yeah I, I, at the risk of repeating myself <laughs> So, and then the carnival, right after the Summer of the Cans, also known as the greatest carnival in the history of carnival, (laughs) it was like can. (laughs) (laughs) The cannest carnival, the carnival ever can, man. Can satutely. It was called the Gift of Yemoja, which is referencing this originally like an African sea goddess deity that was later incorporated into Brazilian Catholicism and basically because all the Brazilians was like the patron saint of the sea has gifted Uh. us this incredible weed and now we're having our giant party and we're going to throw it right back to you. Yeah. And I mean, at this point, did anyone know the origin story of where the weed actually came from? Like, do they know it's Thai weed or that there was this ship situation or is this kind of like... Everybody in Brazil's like, this truly is a gift. We can like really believe this, which honestly, they're fucking right. You know what I mean? I think both things are true. (laughs) So there were stories of what had happened, but I think to the way people interpreted it was that this was a gift and kind of like they were in this new period of freedom and, you know, it seemed to make sense. That's really beautiful. I get it now. Great moment in weed history. That's the name of the show. (laughs) Just to bring it home, you know, and I think as a direct line from this story, today Brazil has Latin America's largest medical cannabis program. More than 5,000 people are enrolled and, you know, they're moving towards freedom along with everybody else. That is absolutely incredible. (laughs) 
How about that, guys? Fantastic. That, that is like can. Yeah, that was the canest fucking story ever. But yeah, that is truly incredible, man. I mean, like, uh, like we've had stories about smuggled weed that's changed people's lives and, you know, uh, created beautiful periods of life for all these people. And this story was no different, man. I really love it. I really love how it connected to the last one and how it, you know, connected to, I think, a vibe that's uh, cultivated here in Humboldt. You know, when there's a lot of weed for everybody in general, everybody's happier and nicer to each other. (laughs) And I think that you guys are evidence of that, uh, as were uh, all the Brazilians that got to partake in the summer of Cannes. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. And Bean, thanks for the story. Thank you, man. And, uh, you know, we did a smoke out together before the show. We might as well do one afterwards, too, right? (laughs) Thank you. One more time, thank you to Savage Henry. Thank you to Evan Vest. I hope you guys had fun here. I hope you will come back. I hope you will support live comedy here in Humboldt County. And I do hope that we will come smoke some weed with Abdul and I. Yeah, we're going to do it. Let's go. All right. Great Moments in Weed History is a Spoke Media production. It's hosted by me, Abdullah Saeed, and David Beanenstock, a.k.a. Bean. We're produced by Cody Hoffmachel and Brigham Mosley with help from Lee George and Reyes Mendoza. This episode was mixed by Jonathan Villalobos. Our head of post-production is Will Short. Our executive producers are Aliyah Tavakolian and Keith Reynolds. Special thanks to Haley Nelson, our researcher for this episode. If you want to follow us on social media, we're at G-M-I-W-H podcast. Check out our show notes for links to our sponsors. Support us by supporting them. Thanks for listening. Well, that's the show, folks. Thanks so much for listening. And if you stuck around this long, please consider supporting us on Patreon. You can put five on it at greatmomentsinweedhistory.com. And that would really help us as we research, write, edit, and publish a new episode every Weedness Day. Great Moments in Weed History is written, produced, and performed by me, David Beanenstock, a.k.a. Bean. Special thanks to our sponsor, PAX. Go to PAX.com and use promo code GREATMOMENTS, all one word, for a big discount at checkout.